Welcome to Glasgow Evangelicals Podcast. Thanks for listening with us today. Our hope is that today's sermon equips you to live the gospel joyously. Come along with us as we learn to live the gospel together. So that the world may know peace is the whole reason for the Christmas story. I don't normally open with my punchline, but after this year, I think we can all agree peace has been hard enough to find. So I'm not looking to waste your time with clever wordplay or metaphors. I just know we need hope more than ever before. Because unlike ever before, you can literally read never-ending hurt on Facebook posts and in Twitter feeds. And almost every week, it seems we create another hashtag headstone. Followed up by arguments with no regard to just how hard Christmas is going to be for a family in that home on this year. So many protests welling up out of passionate fear, filling the streets over political people we will never meet. I see people placing their hope in promises that we all know won't keep. And still, the news grows increasingly bleak with stories of tragedy after catastrophe. Rumors of economic shatterings, a drug epidemic no one's talking about Cause we traded truth for substitutes and they ain't really working out So I think if the world is to ever know peace, there couldn't be a better time than now In this Christmas season where we can run back to that sacred account It's been echoed for ages on end A prophecy of a holy God to struggling sinful men that says In order for the world to know peace A child must be born and to us a son will be given. A prophecy then states the government will be his alone for the lifting. His names will be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and our Prince of Peace. As for the greatness of his government and peace within, they say there will be no end to it. Absolutely no finite measurement. Such a promise as this held all of creation in breathlessness for over 700 years without a single shred of evidence. But then on a midnight clear in Bethlehem, a star proclaimed God was finally with men. It was the first recorded Christmas held in a dirty, dirty stable where God incarnate laid as a baby in the manger. All of heaven sang of a savior and shepherds came with tears bigger than Cubs fans in November. The world's first time with Christ is why we celebrate every December. December, my friends, I'll say it again, that the world may know peace is the real reason for Christmas. This isn't a ploy to make you forget about pain and reality. It's just so you know my God's in the business of being peace to humanity. So down to earth he came, knowing full well he would have to be pierced for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. He took all of our punishment so we might be free, and by his wounds we might meet peace. I hope you're getting this. Peace isn't found in a feeling. Jesus Christ is peace. And I wrote this just so that you could meet him. Merry Christmas. Today, uh, if you didn't realize from the video that uh, we're talking about peace today, uh, I am a sucker for spoken word. And, uh, and so when I saw that video, I was just like, I have to share that with you all. Um, I think as we've been diving into this series about Advent, we've been uh, unwrapping what Advent means. And Advent means the uh, expectant waiting. And so expectant waiting is the whole entire reason why Christmas and Advent exist is we see the attributes of Jesus 
the hope that God gives, the joy that Jesus brings, the peace that is offered, and the love that is extended to us. And that's the whole reason for Advent. And so today we're going to unpack just a, a little bit more of, um, of, of peace and why is there unrest? Why is there sometimes not peace? And so we light a candle every week because that's the whole point is it represents us expectantly waiting. Just like almost over 2,000 years ago they were expectantly waiting a Messiah, we too know the hope the peace, the joy, and the love that Jesus brings. But he brings it in a finality when he returns, and that is what we are expectantly waiting. That is why when we come to Christmas every year, it's not just that we see where the tradition of our faith comes from, but it is where our faith is going. It is where our faith is headed and where we can put our hope in and put our joy and peace and love in. And so every week we light a candle simply to remind us, are we expectantly waiting? This week in uh, my life, there hasn't been much peace. And I find it incredible when God comes to me and uh, says, hey, you think you know something about what you're preaching on? Let me show you this. And then I either uh, succeed overwhelmingly well or fail miserably. On Wednesday night, my wife had uh, left church without me and, uh, and I realized, wait a second, I have to have a ride from her because I've been trying to walk to work. And, um, and my kids were running around, and I told my kids, hey, mom's coming to pick us up, let's go. And my kids were just like, well, wait a second. Like, why can't we just sit here and play? And in the second of me wanting to do everything that I wanted to do, I looked at my daughter and I said, I am so sorry the world does not revolve around you and what you want. We are going to go home, and it's your problem to deal with. I am so sorry. And she's like, wow. I, just, I just wanted to know why, 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 why mom has to come and pick us up so we can go home. And so I just said, just listen to me. And uh, we started to walk out. And she's like, Dad, seriously, what's wrong? What's wrong, Dad? What's wrong? And finally, I looked at her and I said, fine. You want to know what's wrong? I'm frustrated at work. I'm having a really hard time. I feel like everything is just exploding around me and I don't have a handle on anything. And you are in the middle of it. I am done with life. And she's just like, I'll get in the car. <laughs> and so we went home, and, uh, and of course, uh, we're putting our kids to bed. And one of the traditions we do is uh, we pray with our kids every night. And so um, I'm starting to feel incredibly guilty. And um, I go lay down in bed and, um, with my kids, and all my kids share the same room. And my daughter is on the top bunk, and I'm on the bottom bed with, uh, with Silas and Sarah. And I just, I said, ah, man, let's, let's pray. And, and Ava said, Dad, are you, are you really frustrated and done with life? And uh, I said, said no, Ava, I'm just, I'm just struggling right now. 
And she, in her amazing spirit, says to me, have you, have you prayed about it? I said, no, Ava, I'm a horrible Christian. I have not prayed about it. And she's like, it's the only thing that's going to work. You realize that, right? <laughs> and that night, I think I got a little bit of understanding what peace is. This morning, if you didn't notice, there was two little boys sitting back here in this little information center, and they were just jibber-jabbering away while we were singing, I Can Only Imagine. And I went up to them, and I said, hey, do you, do you boys want to be a little quiet? Some people are trying to worship. And the kid looks at me, and he says, we're just talking about Jesus. You know the candy cane? Do you know what the red represents? And the other kid was like, it represents the blood of Jesus. And, and then he's like, but we can't remember what the white represents. And I'm like, oh, well, that's the washing of, of Jesus. And he's like, I, I knew that. And all because I wanted to have peace for the people sitting in back there to listen and to worship. And the whole entire time I'm just sitting there going, no, you need to follow these rules. I tried to come up with some uh, anxiety ways that might be unrest for you. And so last night I was trying to find some amazing videos about um, things that would really cause a little bit of panic in your life. And so where did I start? I started with watching the 2018 Black Friday sale videos. And it caused me so much anxiety. I didn't want to show you those videos. I, I, I am telling you. That, that those videos are ridiculous. Did you know that 15% of Black Friday shoppers are completely drunk? That's unbelievable to me. That just even makes it more fun, I feel like. I, businesses count on that day to help them out. What, what maybe kills peace in your life? Is it watching Black Friday sales? Is it having just anxiety, jealousy, anger, defensiveness, have self-motivation? If you have fear, unknown futures, maybe you have unpeace because you allow what others perceive you to be as more than what God tells you to be. Maybe it is that you're not able to do what you desire to do most, and so you get mad because your family stops you from doing that, or your coworkers stop you doing from that, or your friends. What if you have unrest with making sure that, man, my family is taken care of? Maybe this morning you had unrest just getting to church this morning. Come on, put your socks on, let's do this, let's do this. I had it this morning when Silas woke up five minutes before I was going to leave and he said, Dad, can I go to church with you? What about your to-do list this week? What about the political scene that you feel like you need to talk about? The health issues that some of you might be having, the relationship issues, the financial struggles that you have, and on and on and on. If we are supposed to look at Christmas as this time of peace, I really want to ask you, how much peace do you have or do you just stuff it until it rises again? Or do you really have peace? 
Do you expectantly wait for peace to come? Do you grab a hold of it? Philippians 4, 7, we've been taking uh, these verses every once in a while that talk about the mystery, right? This is the mystery, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Last week we talked about the mystery of Jesus coming in bodily form and being joy. And here's just another verse that talks about the, something we just can't understand, the mystery of peace. He says this, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. The problem is, I think, is that to get to the point of having peace, we need to stop focusing on the things that give us unrest. I asked a group of people this week, I said, what brings peace and gives rest to you? And they said things like this, knowing that God, dot, 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 whatever that might be, knowing that God has got this, knowing that God is eternal, omnipresent, omniscient, he knows absolutely everything, he's taking care of absolutely everything. Another person said something like this, what's the worst? And you've heard heard me talk about that from here. What's the worst that can happen? And I'm just going to underline that. The worst that can happen is that you don't know Jesus Christ. Another person said, how unimportant compared to heaven the things in my life are. Another person told me it's meaningless of not glorifying God. That's how I find peace and can have rest. I focus my attention on what glorifies God the most. Because it's not as if I can sit up here this morning and tell you, get rid of your to-do lists. Just stop being worried about taking care of your family. But I can tell you, where is your focus? And I think this story this morning that we're going to dive into brings a little bit more focus into us. And we have three examples from the story of the wise men. And so if you have your Bibles, would you please open with me to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. I'm going to give you a second to flip over there and then we're going to pray together. Would you pray with me? Hey, dear Heavenly Father, God, as we crack open your word, would you speak to our hearts? Wherever there is unrest, where there is no peace in our hearts, would you go to those areas this morning and start sweeping them out? God, would you bring them to the light? Maybe we don't even know about them. But God, would you help us to go back to the hope and the joy that you give? Because it does bring peace. And as we look at this story this morning, would your Holy Spirit speak to us, guide us and direct us? And would we be willing 
to move where you're asking us to move. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your son. And we expectantly wait. In your name we pray. Amen. So let's read this together. Matthew chapter 2. And we're going to read verses 1 through 12. And it says this. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the religious law and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you, who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their ways and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary and bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. If we are going to expectantly wait this Advent season and look towards peace, there's three ways in which we can do that this year. Two of them are not the greatest. In fact, I would have to say that I don't know if Jesus brings peace to everyone. When we look at this piece of scripture, there literally are three ways that we can treat Jesus this year. And the first one, if you're taking notes, you can write it down, is you can be completely indifferent. You can be completely indifferent to Jesus this season. I love this piece of scripture as I've studied it this week and learned so many more things about it. And something that kind of threw me off, I went to the, uh, I went to the star yesterday with my children and uh, there was one part where the wise men come in and then King Herod gets the wise men to stay and then the, you know, the camels do some funny things. And, and if, if I had not seen that movie um, or actually uh, looked into this scripture before I saw the movie, I would have thought something was a little off because it looks like in this story that the wise men did stick around for a little bit. I don't know if it was overnight or anything like that, but something incredibly interesting. Verse three, when King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed and everyone in Jerusalem, and everyone in Jerusalem, 
How many people do you think, after Herod asked them, hey, where is this baby supposed to be born? And all the scribes, by the way, they're not idiots. This was like a Jeopardy question, right? They had it on the spot. They've been writing these things down. They know the prophets. They understand absolutely everything. And right away they said Bethlehem. How many of those people right away, besides the wise men, decided we're going to go? This is the Messiah. They've been waiting for it. They've been, they've been hoping. They've been looking for joy. They've been looking for peace. And what does Herod and the rest of Jerusalem say? Yeah, we'll stay here. You go and find that baby for us. The rest of the world was completely indifferent to Jesus. They knew he was the Messiah. They knew that he would bring something for Jerusalem, for the nation of Israel. And they simply say, hey, why don't you go find him for us? And when you go find him, would you please bring him back? Would you please come and tell us what you found? It's not much different than today, is it? If we knew that absolutely Jesus was making an appearance, right? Some of us would be skeptical. Some of us would say, hey, you know what? I've got to get my lineup for fantasy football, so give me a little bit of time to do that. I've got a really important game. You don't understand the crockpot's going on. I already said it. I can't let the roast go to waste. We make every excuse in the book. My to-do list. You don't understand. I've got health issues. And I fear what he's going to say to me, so no, I don't want to go meet him. Jesus even walked with them and said, hey, come follow me. And what did some of the people say? Ha, let me go bury my father who is dying. And Jesus' response is, is hey, let the dead bury their own dead. In the grand scheme of things, are we glorifying God? Or is what we're doing meaningless? If you knew that you had the ability to cure a disease in your family, to cure cancer if your child had cancer or some sort of disease, would you sit and just say, no, I'll wait for it to come to me? Or would you go and do whatever you could to get it? But instead, King Herod and the rest of Jerusalem said, we'll just wait for him to show himself to us. But he already had. He had already been born. In verse 1, it says Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Already. It's already sitting there. Maybe the people in Jerusalem didn't know enough. Maybe they didn't read their scripture enough. And so they were just kind of like, well, we don't know anything about this. So we're just going to slide on by. That still doesn't get you out of jail for free. There are so many people around us. And I asked my wife the other day as I was doing dishes, I just said, why, why is it that some people, when they know the truth that's right in front of them, continue to completely ignore it? 
because they don't see that it makes a difference in their life. And I'm telling you right now, when we have hope and joy and peace, trust me, it makes a huge difference. And if it doesn't make a difference in your life, man, we're going to talk about that in a little bit. The second way in which we respond to the coming of Jesus is exactly what Herod does, is he becomes hostile. We later on find out that Herod has this secret meeting and he goes and he says, I don't want my way of life ruined. And so here's the deal. You're going to just go and kill every child under the age of two. That's in Bethlehem. He so badly doesn't want his way of life ruined. He doesn't want somebody else to be king. He wants to be his own king. He wants to be his own ruler. That he's willing to kill for it. (laughs) Watching that video last night of people grabbing 48-inch TVs and almost looking like they're going to kill each other for it was unbelievable to me. What is a soul worth? What is it worth to take a step back and go, hey, maybe the way I'm doing things isn't isn't the right way, and so God, would you just teach me? Or is it I'm going to continue to power through? I'm going to get what I want. But instead, most of the time we end up looking like Herod. Throwing the temper tantrums. Saying things to your daughter like, I'm just a horrible Christian and I guess that's okay. Instead going, you know what? You're exactly correct. Ava, would you pray for me right now? I know now that's what I should have done, but not in the moment because I wanted to stay in my pity party. I certainly did not want to glorify God in that moment. And I constantly tell God, I know how to do this better than you can teach me. It's a pretty humbling experience when God just says, all right, here you go. Here, have peace. Because what if there's times when we don't feel like God actually has control and we try to take control back over? I have to tell you that that looks like hostility towards God. And then there's a third way in which we can respond to the peace that Jesus offers. And it's a beautiful picture. It's worship. It's worship. Now, before you kind of start thinking about, um, man, yeah, sure, that's awesome worship. I want you to know a little bit about the wise men. These are not... (laughs) 
These are not people who we would say, hey, they are such great followers of Jesus or such great followers of God. In fact, actually, in this day and age, we would think that they would be a little bit more mystical. They would be into the magic, right? They would be into, I mean, do you guys even remember Miss Chloe? You remember those late night things when you could like call her up and she could tell you your fortune, right? All right you, okay, maybe not. Maybe I was the only weirdo who called her up. I didn't call her up. Uh, I'd have been on my mom and dad's tab. Um, these were people who probably spent a little bit more time in the mystic realm of things. Think of Egypt when Moses was in Egypt and uh, whenever Moses would do something, the Pharaoh would say, hey, why don't you uh, match what this has got going on? And so his magicians would do these things. And these people who are Gentiles, who we would say aren't in the fold with God knew that this is somebody worth worshiping. And maybe in this moment, as they've studied absolutely everything, they realized that they needed to give their life, give their time, all their talents and all their treasures to this one true king. They would spend months traveling their worship wasn't just in front of Jesus, it was giving their life to this cause. I'm going to walk, ride, whatever to get to where I'm going. And I'm going to give my talents to Jesus. And then I'm going to live my life in obedience to him. So the verse that says it, it's right here. It says, when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And then when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them not to return to Herod. And by this time... They were with God so much that even God spoke to them and said, don't go back and tell Herod where he's at. Would you listen to me and would you know that everything is under control? They worshipped him. And so I think the only thing I have left to say this morning is, man, you have to choose your response this season. Is it going to be more unrest? Is it going to be more to-do lists and more shopping lists and more <laughs> unrest with our relationships with people and just dealing with struggles that every life has to bring? Are we going to become indifferent and say, whatever, I'm just going to ignore it? Are we going to become hostile and say, I'm going to take over Christmas and this is what it's supposed to mean? I watched a lady on YouTube yesterday and the anxiety that brings for her for Christmas and she just, she just said, every year Christmas is getting harder and harder for me. And then she started naming off the things that she was doing. I, because I have uh, children now, I have more gifts to buy and because bigger families and all this different stuff. And she just starts laying it out and I said, you missed the whole entire point. You're indifferent to this. And then you have people who on YouTube go, don't call it Christmas, call it happy holidays. And they are completely hostile to the idea of what Christmas is all about. 
And then there's Jesus. Matthew 5, 9 says this. It says, God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. I love this piece of scripture right here because as we look at this, as we're working towards peace, we're called children of God. Jesus is the Son of God. And he brings peace. And as we work towards peace, God, Jesus has already placed it down. And he said, I am dying for you. My, sin, my, my blood is going to cover you so that you might have peace and that you can live peace. That is when we understand that we are adopted into the family of God. That we're no longer indifferent or hostile, but that we want to be in the place of worship. We want to be in the place of bringing God all the glory and none of ourself. And then this is what happens. We begin to have peace of mind in our circumstances. That no matter where we find ourselves in anxiety or jealousy or anger or defensiveness or all of our self-motivations, our fears and our unknown futures, we sit there and say, my current circumstance does not get to allow whether I have peace or not. My current circumstance allows me to lay it at the feet of Jesus. And I begin to have peace of mind. Then God, if you remember Philippians 4, 7, it says, then you will have peace of heart. My main motivation, we've already talked about this. My main motivations come from my heart. And as I seek to be a peacemaker, my motivation is always about glorifying God. So knowing that God gives me peace of mind and then meaningfulness comes from glorifying God is my motivation. And then we have peace of spirit to be able to listen to the prompting of God and move where he's asking us to move. Change in attitude. Listen to what he's saying in our hearts. As the spirit comes over us, just like I talked about the spirit comes over Mary, we begin to understand that the love of God is unbelievable. That there's nowhere we can hide. That peace comes to us. And this morning I've asked a couple ladies to sing for us this morning, and it's an Audrey, a song, Audrey Assad song called Winter Snow. And as they sing it this morning, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to respond. You can come on up. Um, I'm going to ask you to respond to this. What sort of unrest do you have? What sort of peace do you need? I love this song because I think about the, um, the idea of watching the snowfall and sitting there in a peaceful home, maybe with a cup of hot chocolate or a really good flat white, and sitting there and just allowing the peace of God to say, hey, it might look chaotic out there. It might get really freezing out there. It might get slippery but I sent my son to take care of all that stuff that you don't have to worry. 
And so as they sing this song, would you be willing to do the work this morning by saying, God, what, what do you have that you would like me to focus on this year during Christmas time? For me, it's definitely working on peace. It's definitely understanding that my current circumstances don't get to outweigh what, how I perceive the rest of the world. Could it come like a mighty storm With all the strength of a hurricane Could it come like a forest fire With the power of heaven in your flame but you came like winter snow quiet and soft and slow fallen from the sky in the night to the earth below could have swept in like a tidal wave or in an ocean to ravish our hearts. You could have come through like a roaring flood to wipe away the things we've scarred. Oh, but you came like a winter snow you were quiet you were soft and slow fallen from the sky in the night to the earth below oh no your voice wasn't in a bush burning. No, your voice wasn't in a rushing wind. It was still, it was small, it was hidden. Oh, you came like winter snow quiet and soft and slow fallen from the sky in the night to the earth below oh yeah you the sky in the night to the earth below thank you that was awesome um just in closing uh the the thoughts going through my head is is uh and on a the long enough timeline us in this room looking at eternity the the, the problems of this world just diminish to nothing. Um, what you're going to get somebody for Christmas, um, what they're going to get you for Christmas, who you write family cards to, 
who you hug correctly. None of that matters unless we're glorifying God. And so the, the peace from Christ just is in remembering Christ as often as we can. And not just on a daily devotional kind of level, but on a every second as Satan tries to distract us and put obstacles in our way. We just need to remember Christ and, and we'll have peace. This week I, I think of opportunities that, that would have been able to remove peace from my life, and I'm not saying I'm perfect by any means, but in the last week and a half, we've taken in three new foster teenage girls. My wife not just hit a deer, but like made mashed potatoes out of our, our van. Um, and taking in the new foster kids, my wife and I moved into the sunroom in our house. And again, I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I haven't felt un unrest about any of it it's just this this peace and and it's just entrusting what God's doing for us and so as we go through life as we go through life together as a church family we need to help remember Christ and and the the stub toe the the missed bills bad tasting food, whatever it happens to be, in a trillion years when we're dancing with Christ, it will not matter. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for beautiful worship from uh, just beautiful souls willing to, to come up and, and share with us, uh, whether on the worship team or, or asked by Seth. Lord, we just totally thank you for uh, an opportunity to, to relax and, and lift you up. Lord, as we look forward to Christmas, may we look forward to you. Not a morning in which we celebrate ourselves and lift ourselves up, but Lord, a morning when we can be wholly thankful in, in, in your eyes. As we remember candy canes and friends, well, thank you so much for this morning. Uh, may you uh, bless our, our lunch that we have with, with children volunteers and, and the conversation that we'll have together. And then just bless the rest of the day. And whoever's football team is most prayed for, let them win. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us again for another sermon of the GEC podcast. Connect with us at GlasgowEC.com or every Sunday morning at 10 here in Glasgow, Montana. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes because this helps us share the word with more people. See you next week.